Hello, you are very welcome to the Inside Our Schools podcast, the podcast where we put all the issues around teaching in Irish schools under the microscope. I'm your host, Andrew Phelan. Is the Leaving Cert really still fit for purpose? This is the question we explore tonight when we go inside our schools. With the Oireachtas Education Committee meeting the management bodies and teacher trade unions over the last number of weeks, coupled with recent calls from senators, TDs, celebrities and journalists, now more than ever there seems to be a move towards Leaving Cert reform. In tonight's episode, I am joined by two of our resident guests, Mark Walsh, a computer science and modern foreign language teacher, and Robert Cheney, a teacher of mathematics. We discussed the calls for reform, the reasons given for the need for such reform, and we asked the question, is the Leaving Cert curriculum really the correct target here, or is it something else entirely, such as the inequality in our society, the chronic underfunding of education, and the pressure that is created by the CAO points race? Lads, thank you very much. Um, it's good to have both of you back. Um, we've had both of you on before on very similar topics uh, in terms of the Leaving Cert and and the direction education is is taken in the country. So I wanted to have this conversation on the podcast on the back of the growing momentum of people targeting the Leaving Cert in terms of whether it's fit for purpose. There's a lot of commentary around that the Leaving Cert is no longer fit for purpose, that it's old fashioned, etc. and so on. We had a number of months ago, Senator Lynn Rowan make a, a really kind of a powerful um, speech um, in the Houses of Parliament about the Leaving Cert and the effect it has on working class areas and the whole school system, which which was quite powerful. Gary Gannon, another TD, again, make very, very similar statements that uh, the Leaving Cert is no longer uh, fit for purpose. And then again, I suppose on social media, some of the accusations thrown around are that it's, it's rote learning, that it's, it's the exam-based system, that it's a lot of stress caused uh, on the students or put on the students uh, because of these final or terminal exams, uh, the words that uh, are keep used all the time. And then I suppose COVID has accelerated really uh, the, the, the demand for change in that last year and the year before teachers predicted or gave an, what's called now an accredited grade to students, which, which is kind of continuous assessment where student, where teachers would take the work that students have done over, over the number of years and give them a kind of result uh, based on that. So I know there's a call for that to continue. Um, and I see that the government or the Oireachtas and the Department of Education are looking at Leave and Start Reform. And they had the various management bodies in last week um, given their opinion, and of course their opinion was aired, I suppose, in the media by Paul Crone of the NAPD, which was that the, the system that they had of, during COVID was a lot less stress, where the, where the teachers gave the results on students and so on. Therefore, they felt that kind of some sort of system like that probably should be brought forward. And then this week, then we had the trade unions given their opinions on the exam, etc. So, yeah, I was just... Uh, it, it seems to be coming to a head and the conversation seems to be there. And I just wanted to get the views of your, your YouTube because I've heard the two of you talk a lot at union meetings about these issues. Uh, and I find what both of you have to say quite interesting. Um, so just the question really then, you know, that we, we're going to try and answer that. It's not going to be possible to answer in a single podcast. Uh, we're going to have to come back to it. But 
the general question is, is the leave insert fit for purpose anymore? Uh, and does it need to be changed? Uh, if so, what changes are needed? And can we tackle some of the issues around rote learning, around the, the terminal exam, um, and so on? So what do you think, Mark? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't mind. Um, I think the first thing to say is you've you've mentioned some of the 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 way the debate has been characterized up to now. And um I think the first thing we should say is we should try and just characterize what way that debate is being presented at the moment. And basically the argument goes that we have a post-primary system that's based on rote learning and exams, that this inhibits deeper learning, critical thinking, and creativity and causes huge stress to students. And therefore, the, the changes to assessment are presented as a kind of a panacea, a kind of a cure for all ills that will cure rote learning, will cure the stress of students. And then if we supplement that with a, a number of alternative pathways uh, to apprenticeships and so on, that this will essentially solve the problem. So it's, it's, it's quite like, that's the way it's presented. And I think that has to be kind of um, deconstructed and we have to kind of open up that and ask, is, is the system as it's currently, as it exists currently, is it just rote learning? I mean, is that claim even, even margin, even sort of true in any sense? Um, and does, does the way the subjects are set up at the moment, does, does it, do those, the way the subjects are at the moment, do, does it actually inhibit deeper learning, critical thinking and creativity? Is that the case? And, you know, where does the stress really come from? You know, is it the exams or is it other things like the points race? So I think there are some of the questions we should be, we should tease out from the premise of their argument, which is, uh, in my view, quite distorted about, about uh, the, the true nature of the system as it is at the moment. Robert? Yeah, I, I think uh, the, the, you could look at individual subjects and, uh, you could discuss individual subjects in terms of whether whether one is better than other, than another in terms of the critical thinking versus rote learning. I'm a, I'm a math teacher, and we went through the project maths uh, process about gorgeous ten years ago now, and certainly the, the reality is is okay. You can you can practice and practice and practice, but the the way in which the questions are presented, there there is a a huge variety and. It requires a, a, a deeper thinking. It requires the problem-solving skills. It is not something that you can. Well, you can you can practice, you can learn, and you can keep practicing, practicing. But at the end of the day, it 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 does it does ask of the students when it gets to the assessment point um, more than just uh, knowing uh, information. Um, there's a huge number of different subjects that have been developed and um, applied maths was a, a very recent uh, um, uh, renovated su subject, quite significant. And uh, there's other new ones, PE and uh, computer science and so forth. But th th the yes, the process of getting to university from from your junior certificate to getting into university, that process is not fit for purpose, but it is not necessarily the, the leaving well, which part of leaving the leaving certificate is not fit for purpose? I don't think that the problem is with the subject content. I do have an issue with the number of subjects the students uh, learn, uh, and I, I'm I'm English. I went through the A level system, and 
you know there there isn't the same excessive number of subjects required um there you know when when you've got students who are doing seven eight or nine subjects if you add in the stuff they might be doing in their private time uh and i also have a problem with and i'm saying this as a math teacher okay where math is a compulsory subject i have a problem with compulsory subjects i have a problem with maths and english and irish yes i'm gonna uh, mention that uh holy grail uh as 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 being a um it's, it's an issue i i don't think there should be a compulsion to learn to such an extent some of the content that's on each of those um, sub subjects so i think there's a lot of a lot of um uh, i suppose if, if 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 people want reform or evolution as as the ty called it this week uh you know that there is an element of things need to be called thing the the some unthinkable thoughts need to be made and and it's beyond just tweaking the exams as it seems that they want they want to um uh, yeah it seems then from both of you that it's, it's in two parts you know so if we you know i've often said at union meetings and, and I've, obviously it was fairly obvious from, from the twitter poll i put out during the week that my view my personal view is that a lot of the, the aim or the target seems to be in the wrong place um that there's two parts to this there is the leaving cert and then there's the purpose um and, and that seems to be the way that both of you have framed it as well uh, and we can we can look at that um so how about the, the leave insert then so we take the purpose out of it for the time being right hopefully we'll get to it in this podcast but we'll see um but with the, let's take the purpose out so just look at at the leave insert so robert you've kind of touched on it there in terms of the amount of subjects that there are um and that and mark you touched on it in terms of it, it's not all about the final exam uh, so uh, if, if we can dig down into that a little bit, Mark, do you, do you want to say, you know, about, about the final exam, one of the accusations of the Leaving Cert is that it, it's all about this one day in um, in, in June, uh, well, not one day, but this, this number of days in June, this, this one exam in June, uh, that everything hinges on how they do. Um, and I suppose people have that perception well, well it is true to a certain extent because that is when the exam is but people do i feel have this perception that um uh, because when they were in school they just had this exam but the leave insert even from the time i'm teaching 20 years and even from the time i've teaching the leave insert curriculum is very 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 different uh now than it was 20 years ago so i presume that's kind of along the lines of what you were saying mark yeah, I mean, I think uh, the first thing that needs to be said is, you know, that impression is totally false. I mean, the idea that there's just one final exam and that's it. I mean, at, at least two thirds of subjects now have second components, you know, which mm -hmm. might be worth 30, 40, 50 percent. So the final exam then is the equivalent of whatever that would be, uh, 50 percent, 40 percent, whatever it is, mm -hmm. uh, 60 percent. Right. So that's just completely false. It, it isn't the case that it's all the one final exam. Just give you a very specific example that, that will, will address this whole idea of it's all one final exam plus the area of road learning and creativity and the whole lot, right? So computer science is a new subject that was just introduced there. It started 2018. And um, the assessment, if you like, is based on three components, right? The first component is a coursework project, which is worth 30 marks or 30%, 30, roughly a third of the marks, let's say, right? 
The second component is a programming exam where they go into a lab and they do a programming exam under exam conditions, and that's worth roughly a third of the marks. And then the last part is the exam, which again is worth roughly a third of the marks. So I'm just making a very broad sort of gen, uh, general slices there, right? But in terms of the project, right, the students in preparation for their project, they have to do, before they get to do their individual project, they have to do four group work projects in advance, right? Over the course of fifth year and the start of sixth year, four group work projects, right? And during those group work projects, they have to be creative. They have to come up with some idea that their project is going to be based on, right? They have to practice communication skills, right? They have to communicate with each other. They have to practice presentation skills because they have to present their project to the rest of the group. All right. And these are our 21st century skills, so-called, that, that, that are deemed to be really important these days, right? Uh, that's happening right now in computer science, right? The second component then is a programming exam, right? Now, you can't rote learn for a programming exam, right? You have to understand how, like I'm sure it's like maths as well, you have to understand the code, you have to understand the sequence and steps in the program in order to get it to do a certain thing, right? The, in the lab exam, we set it up so that the internet is turned off, they're given a number of programs which they have to modify and even create extra parts on in the program. And they have to have a, a working knowledge, a good working knowledge of the Python programming language, for example. That can't be rote learned. You have to do it with a lot of practice, a lot of knowledge and skills involved, right? So programming skills, right? The third, the third part then, the third component is a, uh, an exam, the traditional type exam, a pen and paper exam, which lasts an hour and a half. And they're asked, you know, factual questions, uh, knowledge, you know, basic short questions, first of all. But then later in the exam, there's longer questions that discuss, for example, the impact of computers on society. So, for example, the whole area of data centers now, which is a huge uh, controversial topic, the question is, OK, why is Ireland, uh, you know, an attractive location for data centers to do with the weather and so on, corporate tax rate, blah, blah, blah. But also, what is the impact on the environment? Right. So they're thinking politically uh, they're thinking, well, should this is this a good idea and so on. And we've seen recently there's debates in, in the doll about whether data centers should be a moratorium whether data centers should be a ban on any future data centers and so on, right? So just in that whole sweep of what I've just said there, like the idea that there isn't critical thinking in that, the idea that there isn't communication, presentation skills, thinking skills, higher order thinking skills, all of the things that they say are missing from the Leave Insert, it just doesn't stand up. It just really does not stand up, this idea that it's rote learning. In fact, as a teacher, I, I, I feel particularly, every time I hear this, and I'm sure other teachers are the same, I feel really insulted that my work and what we do in school, all of us teachers, is characterized by people who actually don't work in schools. This is the funny thing, like the people who, and I'm not being anti-academic here, right, in any way, but people who don't actually do the job are, are there telling us what we do in our job and presenting it to the public as mindless rote learning, producing robots, you know, not thinking citizens or individuals. It's all just this mindless sort of rote learning. And I mean, it's so, that's why I'm saying it's so, so distorted. And if, 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 it's so, if it's so distorted, they're going to try and solve the problem of their distorted image of the system rather than actually thinking what are the real 
issues in in the education system. Yeah, I, I, I remember that debate, Mark, around the yeah. junior cycle and the whole thing about rote learning and exams. And I mean, it, it got people angry, it got teachers angry because if you walk down any school uh, nowadays, you'll go past the English department and there would be people with costumes on acting out and role playing. You know, it's not like sitting down learning a play off by heart and learning answers off by heart. There's real, you know, uh, interaction going on. There's all of these skills that you talk about happening. If you walk past the science department, there's people out in the yard shooting rockets up in the air and they're out in the field. They're all doing these experiments in the lab with glasses on, coats on. Whatever. It's not rote learning. So that idea that it's a teacher at the top with a lump of chalk in their hand and a board and telling everybody, um, you know, the information and inf and students sitting in lines writing and, and trying to remember all this information for their exam, that is the kind of projection uh, of education that you would think from listening to a lot. But if you, if you just walk into any school, you would know, of course, that is not what is happening. Um, Robert, I want to come back to what you said. I know you want to come in on this. I'm going to leave you, but I want just in a second. What you said is very interesting about the A-levels uh, in terms of the number of subjects. And I myself, I've done my teacher training over in England. So um, it'd be interesting to have that debate. But yeah, go ahead on, on, on this issue itself. Well, I mean, there's, there's several issues, I suppose. The, the uh, it is interesting, It's going to be interesting how some of the subjects that don't have second components might actually bring in project work or coursework and so forth. I mean, I, I genuinely don't know how they would try and put in a second component in mathematics. There's currently two two and a half hour exams that they have to do over a space of two days. And I, I don't know how they could bring in a piece of coursework, project work instead. And and one of the things, um, and this goes back to my point about the, the amount of content that's expected in mathematics, I know for a fact that, okay, if they want to bring in a project, that's that's going to significantly change the balance of um, how much you can actually teach in the time because that project work is going to take up quite a lot of the, the normal, what has been traditionally the time teaching content and so forth. And one thing we must be aware of when we talk about uh, sort of you know what the students actually learn each subject, so much of it is dictated by the universities. So, so any time you have a uh, NNCCA um, committee looking at the content, you've always got someone there from the universities, and they put pressure on us at secondary level. Uh, and it happened in math pro in project maths, where the issue of well, we need them by the time they come to us in university, if they're going to do any sort of mathematics, they need to be able to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't have that, if you start tinkering with the course and start reducing it or dumbing it down or whatever which way you want to call it you know there are there are going to be consequences and the universities aren't prepared to deal with those consequences we they want us to, de to deal with them so um you know it, it's there are so many wheels within wheels and there are so many bits that sort of affect affect each other i i i think it's and there are unintended consequences of decisions you know popular decisions that might get made and I'll give you another example of 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 where unintended consequences occur. And this is an example in the A level. Um, so in A level mathematics, let's take mathematics. It, there were six. There are six units, and uh, you 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 learn those six units over 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 uh, two years. So you effectively do three units in the in the first in 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 year twelve and three in 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 year thirteen. And at the end of each unit, there is an exam. So you might be sitting your first exam in Christmas of let's let's say Irish at Christmas of fifth year. 
and then you might do two units then in in June of fifth year, and then again you'd have another one in June, uh, Christmas of of or January of, of sixth year, and then another two uh, in in the end of sixth year. So you're spreading out the assessment, you're reducing the stress. Uh, but the reality was, what ended up happening was you'd have students who'd be doing that first unit, and they were nowhere near ready to actually sit that assessment. And it carried on. And what you ended up having was you end up with students having to continually resit that that unit another time six months later and then resit it again another six months later. And they might end up resitting it several times because they they weren't actually ready for that assessment for what's supposedly the easier content. But because mathematics and the way you learn and you and you develop your skills and, and, and it, it's a process. And by the end of the two years, you've actually fully practiced and repracticed and used things in different contexts and so forth. And they were actually then ready for that assessment at the end. So we had a situation where you might have a student, a very able student, you know, uh, there's no issue uh, there. But they might be having to do maybe they were supposed to do two units that day, maybe. But they had another two to do, so they often ended up having four units to do in a day. When you know there was not wasn't wasn't enough hours in the day to be able to do the exams of the four units, and they're still doing their exam at eight o'clock at night because they're having to reset the exams because they just hadn't done good enough previously. It creates all sorts of other stresses. So you know when we talk about continuous assessment or you know modularizing a a, a, a course. Um, you know, which is which has been suggested. Okay, a granted pra practical work is a is a different is a different project work and practical work is is a completely different sort of uh, second component. But we just need to be very careful. If you want to try and reduce the amount of stress going on in the June of sixth year exam and splitting it up and so forth, you know, we need to be very careful about the unintended consequences and, and you know look to other practice elsewhere and realize that you know people have been trying to do this thing elsewhere and they and they if they failed to improve it elsewhere as well well i think yeah i think the toy kind of in their submission um uh, to the Oireachtas just this week they were kind of suggesting along the lines of something as what you're saying that half the assessment would be in, towards fifth year and half would be uh, then in sixth year which is kind of splitting it but I mean, for me, the point the point about the leave insert is knowledge, and we, we need uh, we want we want students to leave with as much knowledge as possible. Now, for me, my view, no more than what you're saying about the, the exams and not being ready at the end of fifth or not being ready at Christmas or not being ready at Easter, whenever these assessments uh, go ahead. Uh, the problem is what what students and what teachers tend to do then is they bank it, uh, so they they do it for a number of months, uh, and then they they have have this assessment. And then it's banked and then they move on to something else and then it's banked and they move on to something else and then it's banked and uh, never to return to it again um and therefore you're not getting the building blocks of knowledge in 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 their head and the knowledge is not really there then it's just they've done it for a few weeks they've done this assessment on it and then it's banked and and you know um whereas with with the, the i suppose i don't even like using the word the terminal exam because to me it's not terminal it's just a, it's just a snapshot in time of where a student is at and there's there's lots of options but uh, regardless of that with the assessments being towards the end um of the two year cycle at least they have to return 
to the same stuff, the same information over and over again, uh, over the space of two years and actually over the space of probably five years, if it, if you include the junior cert and six years, you're including transition and all the rest of it. So um, it, it is kind of then a snapshot of all the knowledge uh, that they have learned um, in, in terms but of that. It's fine. It's fine when you've got subjects which might be able to be compartmentalized. And, yeah. you know, let's say for say, I'm not trying to, I'm, I, I'm a math teacher. I'm not a math a teacher of any other subject but if you know if you had a history uh content where you had to learn about the tudors and then you had to learn about winston churchill and world war ii and you had to learn about um uh the british in uh, uh, you know uh, you could you could you can part mark the 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 content the information mm -hmm. the knowledge you know that's fine but there are that it's not like that firstly even even history is not going to be like that and and certainly with mathematics you know, so it's it's so interwoven. Everything is interconnected, and and you end up you teach things at the beginning, and then you come back to it again, and you keep referring it. And it it is it is it is such a, a strange web of connections uh, that that you can't compartmentalize and you you can't break it down. It's not going to work. And that was my point about the fact that the students weren't ready because they hadn't they'd learned certain information, but they still hadn't used it in other contexts in order to actually fully understand it. So yeah, I mean, I, yeah, Mark, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, on the same point, I mean, I think actually having, um, as you talked about, Andrew, like banking a particular assessment after two or three months or even four months of fifth year, I think that would actually be disadvantageous to students, right? Because they're having to do an exam after four months based on the current state of their knowledge at that time, right? On whatever topic it is, right? And if, if you cut that off at that point, perhaps as they go on through the course, their knowledge of that or skills in that particular area will improve. But because they've already taken the assessment earlier and that's banked, they can't go back and revisit that. They can't take it again. That's already banked. And whatever level they happen to be at, at the, after those first four months, let's say it was Christmas of future, or you know, if I mean, wouldn't put it past them to suggest something like that. Right. After four months, they're trying to bank uh, knowledge that's not fully developed or skills that aren't fully developed. Right now, to Robert put it very well there in terms of the, the web of knowledge, right, the web of knowledge and skills. And we don't want to distinguish necessarily between knowledge and skills because they're all intertwined. But um, if you think about a subject like uh, languages, right, we typically talk about languages as having four skills, listening, reading, writing and speaking. Right. And all of those have to be intertwined as you go through the course and if you were to do for example the listening exam at the end of fifth year you know does that mean that you do no more listening for the entire of sixth year and what how does that affect you know you don't because you don't you don't have to do an exam at the end of sixth year in the listening you did that at the end of fifth year so now you can just ditch that and go oh well, we just focus on the other skills which gets a starts to move away from this idea of integrated skills so and in fact actually it, that's really teaching to the exam then if you do it that yeah, way. It is, it's, exactly, it's really yeah. teaching to the compartmentalized exam in six weeks exactly. time uh, rather than at the end of the two years where you have to keep yeah. doing everything you know uh, and this is exactly the problem that was with the with the junior cycle they 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 said that oh having these um classroom-based assessments and taking away the pressure of the final exam this would free teachers up to focus on real learning but what are, what's actually happened is there's more focus on the CBAs now and there's more focus on assessment rather than more focus on teaching. So, you know, these uh, and the same, the exact same would happen with the with the senior cycle. You would have 
okay, this exam is coming up now at the end of Christ, at Christmas, the fifth year, and then this exam is coming up at the end of fifth year in, in May, and then, and so on, and so on. And then, so and, you then you, and, then, and then you add to that mix all the different subjects, uh, and then, of course, you have assessment happening all the time. Exactly, you know? and as we have now with the, with the junior cycle, I mean, people will know trying to sort out the junior cycle calendar to avoid clashes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, can be a, a bit of a problem. Like if you, you know, multiple departments trying to do them at different times, if you need different departments to have access to devices to do the research for it or whatever, to do presentations and so on. It's a major, major uh, hassle uh, in terms of the, the, basically a lot of the facilities not being available if your school doesn't have the full range of um, devices or whatever, they have to, they have to force the thing to be spread out even more. And you can imagine that being duplicated at leaving certain level and already should a lot of the projects kind of get in the way of each other. I mean, even the amount of components we have at the moment is difficult enough to manage for, for students. Uh, you know, so there's real questions they, there as to, I, I think just basically the, 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 the key point of that is that um, educational knowledge and skills evolves over time. And if you cut it off too early with an exam, then you're not getting the full um, sense of a student's knowledge and skills at the end of the course. And I think that's unfair to students, and although they probably think it's not unfair, you know, and, you know, the media probably thinks it's better that way. And all the people who are calling for so-called continuous assessment think it's, it's better, to, you know. But again, it's not, it doesn't reflect the reality on the ground, I don't think. You know, again, this distorted picture of what the ed education system is actually like, I think. I think we do have to mention, uh, for the record, the idea of uh, when we talk about continuous assessment and, you know, what sort of assessment is that and and how is it structured, you know, uh, in terms of is it, you know, using resources that are centrally produced or produced by the teacher who is marking it. And, you know, the unions have made it very, very clear that, you know, that uh, assessment by one's own teachers is is not viable and not sustainable uh and we could we could, we could talk a long time about that but i i'm i just want to want to pop it on the head i mean just say it like you know that there is there is no way that uh my assessments are going to be utterly objective you know there are simple realities is that you know whether i like it or not, whether i try or not i'm going to have a bias uh generally speaking towards my students i'm going to want the best for them and I can only think back to uh, when uh, I had to do predicted grades uh, for students in, in, in A-level um, when I was teaching in England, you know, and, and it, well, it, it's not quite throwing a dartboard, but, but it, it is a very difficult thing to do, you know, six months or nine months before they're doing their exam to, to be able to write a predicted grade, which then went to universities. But the difference was with that one, and we'll talk about it, college entry in a moment, that it, it was that the college entry in England wasn't the same. And so there, there wasn't the points race in the same way. And uh, in a sense, it wasn't the, 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 the assessment by the teacher that was given in England wasn't as important. Um, and it was a general stab in the dark. It was a general idea so that the college can have a sense of, okay, this student is of this general caliber. And yes, we want to offer him a, 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 an offer of, of a certain number of uh, great combinations. And, and then hopefully he'll, 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 he or she will, will reach that. You know, the, I, I, I can't, cannot see how they could 
bring in a system similar in a sense to what we've been doing for the last two years and get it through over the line successfully and even if they did manage to uh, persuade teachers to do it how it would actually be successful and meaningful yeah um my view on that is uh you know obviously um a member of the ACI, I think all three as well, the three of us are here members of the ACI and our policy has long been that we don't assess students for uh, our own students for state certification. Um, now, personally, not not speaking on the ACI, I would have no problem assessing students. I'm a PE teacher. I have no problem assessing students in PE um, if it wasn't for state certification. If, if it was for a terminal end of year uh, exam uh, in school, but that exam did not determine uh, whether they go to college or whether they don't go to college or whether they get their place in an apprenticeship or whether they don't. Uh, I'd have no problem doing that, just a snapshot of here's the knowledge the student has at the present time. I can assess that, I can do that. But I'm not doing that uh, for any of my students um, if they're, what they do after school is so important in terms of the CEO and all the rest. But I'm not doing it under those uh, under those. Um, stresses on, on the students uh, and it's just it's, it's just something i wouldn't be prepared to do um i think if you remove the ceo system as you said robert and me assessing my own student didn't have carry such weight for that particular student then i would do it um and, and in terms of maybe let's say there was a third went on the leaving cert a third went on an interview to college or, or apprenticeship or whatever uh, and a third went on an exam that the college themselves did then okay you might think about it but there's no way if they want to keep the ceo system in place and keep that uh ridges that kind of call it entry in place and um, that i'm going to be any part of that uh, it's that's that would be my view now we're going to talk about that in a second obviously uh, in terms of college entry but just in terms of the exam so we, we, i think three of us have kind of we're, we're very similar in our views in terms of the, the it's not the term it's not all about the terminal exam mark you expressed that um you know there is second components uh, and we also talked about uh, robert uh, we talked about banking and how that's not really a good way of doing things either and it seems that actually an exam at the end uh plus the the second or third components some of third components and fourth components uh, seems to be the best way, shock horror, uh, of, of assessing uh, the knowledge that a student would have by the time they leave school. Um, but then, Robert, you mentioned something interesting at the beginning there about, so what 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 what, what would we change or what, what what is the possible change? And and Robert, you said, like, I know myself, I've done the A-level, um, I, I taught in England, i done my teacher training in England, so we had the A-level system there, and where students would choose, you know, three, four, whatever it is, subjects that they would go on and take at, at A-level. Um, and you kind of suggested there that one of the things that could be done to the Leaving Cert is to reduce the amount of subjects that students take. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the problem is, and, it, and it, is, it has been a problem at Junior Cycle now, where their reforms they wanted to bring in with more short courses, I don't think has probably succeeded because parents want their children to do as many possible subjects as they possibly can for as long as they possibly can because they see it as being, oh, we don't want any doors closed to them in terms of what courses they go and do. And uh, I think parents misunderstand the way this is it's much like you know you one could go to go to university and and do a law degree and then go and become 
uh, and do a completely different job that's got nothing to do with law. It, it's it's the process of doing the learning and the experience and building the skills. You know, it, it is it is possible to move on. Okay, so you need certain content. If you're going to do a maths degree, you're going to need to have done maths. But what else you did other than maths? Okay, you, you, you know, it, it's I never I don't think it's ever a case of oh we need to have seven I need to have learned seven subjects but just in case of one of those many different subjects might be the subject I do at university. I think generally speaking, people begin to have an interest in certain things at an early enough stage. They can begin to specialize a small bit more than what they do at the moment. And you know, the idea of doing eight subjects a student doing eight subjects and trying to excel at all eight subjects and trying to get there, you know, pretty much eight each ones in all of them. Um, you know, that that's the situation for some students, you know, it, it is, is not sustainable. Like in, it, just to give an experience of an, an A-level student. Yeah. They would, they would choose maybe, um, well, it could be any, it could be two subjects, three subjects, four subjects, five subjects, you know, so some students might only be able to actually really concentrate and be able to succeed at doing two subjects. Um, but generally speaking, you might choose four subjects um, at the beginning of fifth year. And then at the end of fifth year, you might drop one. And that was the AS that you did in the centre bank. And then you'd carry on with the three of them to the end of sixth year. And you'd finish that. So you'd have effectively three A-levels and one AS level. It might have an extra subject, it might be five, you know, five of which it's four and one uh, or less. But that, that idea and, and you wouldn't be in lessons every single minute of every day your timetable would have study i would have i would have periods where it was just study i wouldn't have a timetable lesson and i'd be there upstairs in a, in a study area um it'd be managed there'd be someone there in a sense uh, uh, making sure that work is being done and i'd be getting on with that study and i'd also have some other time some free time where i might be sitting and doing more work but it, it wasn't a case of from nine to five or you know eight thirty to, to three thirty whatever that i was in a timetable lesson and uh being taught by a teacher yeah. so i was it was a better prepa preparation mm. for university in terms of that the freedom that you get at university uh, and you know the I, I I wasn't worse off for the fact that I only had say three subjects at the end of it rather than eight, as we 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 seem to feel the need to force our children, our students in this country to be able to do. Um, you know there are there are, and and I I really do think that some of the even at ordinary level at mathematics, some of the mathematics that students are expected to learn, they have no choice about it. They have to learn it. Uh, I think is unreasonable. And uh, especially when you have schools where they don't have, in a sense, or students who are often, uh, they, they end up doing the traditional leaving cert rather than leaving cert applied for the sake of argument. They're forced into these choices where they're forced to do uh, uh, six, seven subjects and they're forced to learn about factorizing quadratics or, or whatever it may be. And and some of that is just not necessary. I, and I know it's it's good to learn for learn's sake. It's good for pro, uh, pro, um, uh, you know problem solving skills and all the rest of it. But I think there's sometimes when you're you are literally forcing someone to learn about um, something that, that 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 is not relevant to them, and it is just going one step too far. You know, it's good. It's lovely that every student gets to do a bit of Shakespeare and a bit of poetry, and um, you know, I, I just, I just think it, it's, it's, um, it needs to be looked at, and 
I think it's reasonable to expect everyone to do Irish, certainly up until the end of junior certificate, as well as English and math. Maybe you might have a component, like a general studies uh, component, which would be you would still be in Leaving Civet doing some basic Irish, English and mathematics, but that would be a far smaller basic general studies uh, learning. And then on top of that, if you want to specialise in mathematics, you do the extra things. If you want to specialise in English, you do the extra bits. If you want to specialise in Irish, you do the extra bits. So general studies in Irish could be you know, a lot of conversation and listening skills, building up those skills uh, and, and keeping them relevant. Uh, you know, That's far more, in my opinion, useful to a student than, than what they're being asked to, to learn. Uh, that is very interesting. I've never heard that kind of argument before in terms of not, not so much. I've heard the argument of two or three subjects um, and uh, and having a choice. And, and and again, from being in England, yes, the A-levels is very much like college, as you say. It's uh, you know a lot more free time and you're going to you don't have as many classes during the day and so on. And you're specializing in these subjects uh, and the argument in Ireland, uh, and, and I agree with this argument actually, is that it's broader, it's much broader than that. And you are getting the likes of geography and history, which a lot of students would have dropped a long time ago. Cause let's face it, I have a five-year-old uh, and they just started junior infants and there's parts of the thing that they like and parts they don't like, and they're gonna, they would have just dropped it at five if they could or, or six or, or later. Um, and I think the fact that we hold on to it as broad uh, as possible um, knowledge-wise, in terms of what's going on in the world, geography, history, sciences, uh, everything, maths, uh, English. Um, so if someone had said to me literally 20 minutes ago, um, I think we should have much smaller amount of subjects, I wouldn't have agreed at all. I would have imagined to keep in the broad. But it's very interesting what you just said there in terms of maybe if we kept it broad, um, but specialised in, in a few subjects, in four or five where you went into more detail, but you still had to kind of keep that broad kind of element to it. Uh, that's quite interesting. Mark, what do you think of that? Um, yeah, there's a lot in that. Um, yeah. I, think there's a couple, I think there's a couple of things to, to mention, first of all, and, and it's one is the idea of a kind of a premature voc uh, vocationalization of the system, right? In other words, that um, students are tracked too early into... Um, oh, well, this wouldn't be suitable for you. Here, you better do that, you know, into maybe um, subject areas that aren't as demanding. Maybe, oh, yeah, you'd probably be suitable to this in a kind of almost uh, way that reduces their opportunities to get the full experience of education. So I do, I do believe in that idea of a broad general education. I mean, what seems to be happening nowadays is everything is, is about the workplace. So everything needs to be reconfigured for skills for the workplace, skills for the, the future, skills, you know, which is really means just skills for the future workplace. So they focus on things like adaptability, flexibility, all that kind of stuff, working with knowledge, that kind of thing, right? So if you take that as the workplace and it's increasingly being pushed back into the system, so first it's pushed into third level, then it's pushed into second level, and then it reaches the, the junior cycle because you're already talking about doing presentations that you might be doing at work and so on. So I think there's, you know, and I think it's Gert Biester, who's a, an educational philosopher from, uh, from uh, Holland, and he, he makes the argument that uh, education is the time that society gives uh, to students to develop. You know, it's a, it's a special kind of space that, that's created within society for students to try things out, to learn about things, to learn about the world, to engage with different subjects and so on. And if you cut that off too early, 
you're 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 allowing the world of work to start imposing itself on what should be a more expansive experience in my view so you mentioned history geography and so on and education is it's not just a training system like i mean i think education is is kind of going in the direction of training training for the workplace and that's about it right now there's some nods to oh climate change and things like that but really um we need to think of a broader vision of education which is about um citizens who can be critically engaged with the world as they say in, in other words they don't just accept everything as the way it is and that things can't be changed and so on that people need to be you now they talk about active citizenship but that's really just what they mean by that is just going doing charity work and things like that but we mean what we would mean by you know actively critically engaged citizens would be people who can can question things like real critical thinking about the way the world is and is that the right way to be going and that's no more for that's like climate change is the perfect example of that you know the school strikes students and all that kind of stuff actually realizing that you know education is, is about more than just you know qualifications for the workplace uh, and i think that's really important in terms of keeping education broad for as long as possible now that poses the question is do we support the idea of apprenticeships you know because there are you know, sometimes you think of in pragmatic terms, then sometimes there are students who just can't or don't want to or would prefer to do something um, different. And apprenticeships, you know, I think we should discuss it. I mean, they're, they're like, um, for example, my, my brother's a plumber and he had to do a full four year course with work experience integrated and so on. But he did that after the Leaving Cert. The question is, should he have been doing that sooner or should he have got his full Leaving Cert experience? And then did the um, the plumbing apprenticeship and, and 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 so on, you know. So I think there's a big debate to be had there. But just another point in terms of, like we can we can sort of discuss what options we might and how we might like the leaving cert and senior cycle to be reconfigured. But the big massive problem, and it's mentioned in the ASCI submission to the Oireachtas Committee, is the systemic issues. Uh, that affect education. And one of the big, big ones is investment in education. We already know that we're the lowest. We have the lowest spend of GDP of, of any country in the OECD, right? Literally, the Irish education system is run on a shoestring. So before we talk about what other alternatives and options and things like that, we might we have to recognise that there's a serious, serious underfunding of the Irish education system, like a lot of public services in Ireland, but particularly the education system. And it's amazing that the Irish education system is actually the best public service in Ireland, recognised, but given the level of underfunding. Now, there is a danger that the Department of Education thinks that's grand because they're getting a great bang for their book in terms of results while spending so little on it, right? But we have to be saying, um, you know, like we discovered during the pandemic that a lot of school classrooms don't have windows, that some schools don't have hot running water, that people are still, you know, trying to survive in prefabs. You know, um, science labs are poor in a lot of cases. Some schools don't have PE halls. You know, how are they supposed to do PE and physical education and well-being? And so you hear all these things, but where's the actual resources? They talk about well-being. Where are the counsellors? You know, uh, where's the CAM services? There's a whole range of things there that are just not actually adequately funded. And before, I, I would argue that to some extent, all this debate about assessment components and the leaving cert and all that, it, it just takes for granted that none of these, none of these issues are even a problem. And, and I think... Uh, it's a conversation that's a distraction. What? 
It's a, it's a conversation that it is a distraction. So we talk yeah. too much about leaving certificate yeah, not being exactly. uh, fit yeah. for, for purpose. But the reality is, is that the education system is probably not, it's not, it's not fit for purpose, but it, it's not what it should be. And yeah. the, 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 the cracks have been papered over and uh, nothing to see here. Everything's well. And the only thing we have to worry about is leaving certificate. Yeah, exactly. And, and just another point on that. Think of teacher supply. I mean, I know schools at the moment, right? I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. It's a case across the country where there are students sitting without a teacher in key subjects, right? Whether it's Irish, whether it's math, whether it's home economics, whether it's uh, Spanish, uh, physics, and so on, all these subjects, right? If students sitting right now today in classrooms and they've no maths teacher, they've no Irish teacher. Why? Because uh, they've decided to have a two-year PME is one thing. They've slashed the, the paying conditions for teachers over the last decade. You know, there's no incentive to go into it now uh, in terms of paying conditions. And uh, pensions. Pensions as well. They've slashed the pensions and everything. Uh, so, uh, and so we're facing a teacher recruitment crisis, you know, and, and, and they're talking about modifying the leave insert, the senior cycle. Who's going to, <laughs> who's going to teach these wonderful new modules? Who's going to do all the, the, uh, these amazing cross curricular things or whatever they're planning when we don't have the actual teachers to do it? So it's it, like, I think there's, there's a serious, serious, the whole thing, if you go right back to the smoke screen of road learning and all that kind of stuff, when you dig, when you get past the smoke screen and, and dig under the surface, there are huge issues with an education system that's run on a shoestring and you can't talk about doing proper science experiments. You can't talk about, you know, developing student skills as a scientist, as opposed to just learning the scientific knowledge. If you don't have the proper equipment, if you don't have a lab, all of that stuff you know, all of these things are, are not actually being considered and it's just assumed that everything is fine. And another example we saw during COVID and just the last example I give is that um, the access to, we talk about a digital divide. Like a lot of schools don't even have enough uh, digital devices to share around with the students that they have at the moment. And students at home don't have devices, they're doing their work on their phones and so on. Like that's not uh, like a, a top class education system and, and Richard Bruden talking about we want to be the best in Europe by 2026, whatever the target was. I mean, it's just so far off the mark in terms of what's actually going on in schools. And it really annoys me to think that that like you feel like you're in a different world when you look at the media and you read the newspapers, because it's certainly not the world that we live in today with students sitting with no teacher in front of them week in, week out, because the system can't provide it, you know. Robert, you not, you know. I, I just uh, as a bit of a segue to to what we we all know is the elephant in the room uh, that 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 this issue of funding of education is is not solely uh, in the in the schools. It is also in third level, and you know uh, it'd be interesting, maybe uh, Andrew, that you get someone in from from uh, the third level to talk okay. about the issues in in and and. I think one of the, in the pipeline. Yeah, I think one of the issues, uh, one of the reasons I think why we are where we are and why we are having this discussion is because the third level make us do their job. They make us do the sorting hat. Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, who goes where? And the CAO makes the secondary schools and the leaving certificate do their job 
this idea of um, slotting everyone into the into the myriad of different courses, uh, when actually what should happen is, you know, uh, in my opinion, you know, third level should be better funded, should be better resourced, students should be able to go uh, and do general courses, and at that stage, then they can start specialising, and that would very simply take off a lot of the stress from the C what what the CO has created. And, uh, and, and, you know, you, we all know, including the listeners here now, know full well that the problem is not with the assessment, it is with the CAO that uh, has caused all of the problems. It causes all of the stress. And uh, it, to me, the CEO is the thing that is not fit for purpose. The Leaving yeah. Certificate program is has has an awful lot of things that are really good about it what is not fit for purpose and the first thing that should be dealt with is not the assessment models it is actually the ceo we can worry about everything else afterwards but the ceo has to change the way in which students end up at university yeah now now we're getting to the to, to suppose the crux of the issue and mark raised one uh, and robert you raised the other um and for me again that whole question of that's constantly said not fit for purpose i think look we've debunked some of the stuff uh in terms of, you know, we need to be teaching skills. And sure, what did I ever learn in school that didn't stand to me when I went to work? Well, we weren't teaching you for the world of work. We were teaching you for education, for knowledge about the world around you and what's going on within different subject areas. Um, the whole idea that it's based on a terminal exam, yes, it is, but there is second components and third components and fourth components within that. So uh, and we, we looked at the area of, of, of banking, um, you know, continue says, I actually know lecturers who won't give out projects that they, you know, lectures, most lecturers can design their own course within the university and so on. They don't, they don't like the idea of projects and stuff like that. They, they prefer the exam system uh, because it's, it, and actually Robert, there, there are mathematics lectures who were, who were telling me this, that, um, you know, they, they, they have no way really of guaranteeing that it's a student's own work uh, when their projects, etc., and so on. Anyway, uh, the only way of guaranteeing that is an exam. It's the, the most rock solid way of knowing what knowledge is there. Uh, and, and, and of course, as, as uh, Robert and Mark, as you said, we, 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 it's not like we're old fashioned and we all oh, look, we, we want the things to remain that we are. There is scope for looking at the curriculum in terms of the amount of subjects and different things and all the rest of that. Uh, and, and that's not the issue. But, but that issue is a smokescreen, as you've just you've both said. And, and Mark, the first thing I want to pick up on what you said is, you know, um, in terms of the lack of funding in education and schools without computers and schools without teachers and schools without buildings and without adequate buildings and all the rest of it. Uh, but also, um, there is students um, with uh, parents who are working, uh, who have to work to pay a mortgage or have to work, uh, who, who can't, who are, should, who can't be there. Uh, all the time so therefore they don't have the same support there are students with all issues going on at home there is a, a whole host of issues and i think I've, i suppose i've always said uh, is that to leave insert is it fit for purpose well it is absolutely fit for purpose in certain areas because 99 point something percent of those students uh, get their place in college go on to college it's a where the leave insert is not working um is in working class areas uh, um, where there is other social issues going on, where there's absolute inequality. Uh, and that's the areas that the Leaving Cert uh, does not work. And of course, the lack of funding within schools is not helping that. Uh, the lack of will to do anything about that inequality, but instead blame the education system um, is, is a massive issue um, for me. And I think that the education system 
can be a a, a sideshow uh, in that whole debate around inequality and Mark, as you said at the beginning, around class and so on, that they, they can blame the education system rather than look at their own policies and look at what's creating that inequality in the first place. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and of course, and of course, the problem with that then. Uh, in general, I suppose, around is around also, as Robert said, the, the CAO. Uh, and that really is the crux. They, they keep talking about the stress, the final exam. Uh, and that's the fact that we have a CAO system. And in most other countries, Robert, you touched on it there. Um, the college, I think in Ireland, when you look at the college courses, they're very specific from day one. First of all, there's hundreds of them, or thousands of them, and they're very specific from the outset. Uh, whereas in a lot of countries, other countries, so we go to university, they start broad and end up being narrow by the time they hit fourth or third year or fifth year or whatever it is in university. So, for example, medicine, as everyone keeps talking about, oh, medicine, sure, if you just let everybody into college, wouldn't hundreds and, uh, you know, everybody would want to do medicine. Um, first of all, I don't think that's true. I don't think I, I certainly didn't want to be a doctor. And I don't, I don't think a lot of people do want to be doctors or anything like that or, or nurses or anything. But for example, a medicine course in, in third level, it could take in doc, people who want to be doctors, maybe nurses, maybe people who want to work in pharmaceuticals and so on. And, and then they, they do their general medicine in, in year one. And then from there, then they can branch out into the different areas, whether it be nurse, whether it be doctor, the type of doctor, the type of medicine they want to study, or, or if it's either pharmaceuticals, whatever. Uh, so the courses should could possibly start much broader and then narrow out from there uh, uh, into the specifics. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, go on, Mark, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was, you, you know, the, one of the reasons that we changed to the system of H1, H2 and so on was allegedly to facilitate that broader entry uh, into college. And I think it was only Maynooth was one of the few universities that even, you know, nodded in that direction that they were going to kind of facilitate this. But the other universities don't seem to have done it. Uh, and I don't even know if Maynooth has done it to any great extent. I wanted to pick up on the on the point about, um, you see, the, the area of social class and the area of, of the point system and the points race, right? What causes the stress? I mean, there's a cultural competition for advantage in terms of the point system, right? It's cutthroat, all right? Like, I, I was amazed by this, right? But there's, there was an article in the Irish Independent, Irish Independent about this time two years ago. And the headline was, this is the headline of the Irish Independent, social class and postcode determine students' access to highly paid careers, right? Social class and postcode determine students' access to highly paid careers, right? Now, another amazing statistic, right? We'll come to the postcodes in a minute, right? But according to the OECD, adults with a bachelor's degree earn on average 81% more than those with upper secondary education in Ireland, right? So if you just have second level education versus someone who has a bachelor's degree, a basic degree, that person with the bachelor's degree will earn 81% more than someone with just secondary education, right? So you can see why there's such competition for entry to university because you're you're going to be earning 81 percent more right relative to somebody who just has a second and hence the education. pressure to be in university yeah now and this is particularly stark in ireland because the in the o, average in oecd countries is only 44 percent so on average in other oecd countries you earn 44 percent more if you have a degree but in ireland you earn 81 percent more if you have a degree so there's a huge concentration and if you cut off students access to college effectively you're cutting off potentially their ability to earn 
81% more than somebody who doesn't go to college, right? Now, look at the statistics. They mentioned postcodes. I'll just give you that headline again from the Irish Independent. Social class and postcode determine students' access to higher, highly paid careers. What are they talking about there, right? Figures from the Higher Education Authority in 2014 reveal that only 15% of students from Dublin 17, which is where, near where I am, Coolock and Darndale, right? Only 15% of those students and 16% of people from Dublin 10, which is Ballyfermot and, and Cherry Orchard on the south side. Only 15 and 16% of, of students from those areas progressed to college, right? What was the figure in Dublin 6? 99%, right? What was the figure in Dublin 4? 84%, right? In other words, your, your social class, the, the money your parents have, the, the wealth that you're born into is hugely, hugely influential in terms of whether you get to go to college and in terms of whether you earn that 81% more than if you come from a disadvantaged area. And I don't hear anybody in, in this debate about the senior cycle talking about that class issue. Mm. What they suggest, what they suggest, and this is what they suggest, is that by having alternative modes of investment, you will open up opportunities as if you're going to unleash some massive potential that's there. You're going to overcome and sweep away all the class disadvantages that you know, more wealthier parents are going to stop paying for the extra courses that the Gale talked and music lessons and all, you know, foreign trips abroad and all the other um, economic and cultural uh, capital that, that uh, to use those terms, economic capital and cultural capital that, that more advantaged parents already have to advantage their own children. Kathleen Lynch has talked about this for, for decades now, basically how um, students can, it's really wealth outside of the education system that advantages students within the education system. And that issue, if they don't address that issue in terms of senior cycle reform, and why, I mean, why do we have such an unequal society in the first place? I mean, as long as there's going to be such inequality in the country, you're going to get differential and uh, unequal outcomes in terms, of, in terms of education and opportunity and access to careers and so on. They're not talking about that. They're not talking about that. And the big danger in the whole debate is that we, we'll keep a narrow focus on rote learning, mindless rote learning, you know, they'll keep that narrative going. And as I said, I keep coming back to the word smokescreen, but it's an absolute smokescreen because they don't want to have to deal with the wider issues that we in our day-to-day -day work, we, we see the reality of our eyes, students who can't get access to CAMS, you know, students who have uh, problems at home, students who can't, uh, who, who need a breakfast club because, because of poverty and so on, you know, all, all these things are there. And of course, yes, they should be there, the breakfast club and all that should be there. But what does it say about a system that has to put those, it's like, you know, food, having to put in food banks. If you have a society that has food banks, well, you have a problem. And the same with an education system that has a breakfast club. You know, why, why are, are there people so marginalized in society in that way? Those questions are not asked by any uh, senior cycle form. Now they might argue, oh, you're, you're going way off topic there. And, oh, well, we really just want to look at the senior cycle, but it, it is a whole system. And if you look at the early childhood care and education, because disadvantage starts there in the early years. And at the moment in early childhood care and education, the wages are terrible. There's no, well, I don't, as far as I know, the people who are working in it aren't professionally qualified. What, that, what needs to happen there is that needs to be made, early childhood care and education needs to be made, in, made into a public service funded by the state where people are professionally trained and so on, uh, the same way as the primary education system and the secondary education system. And I think as you move up then, 
the disadvantage would be would be less because you put the investment in early. And by the time you get to third level, then we need to talk about the idea of open access. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that people were saying before free secondary education came into the system that oh, there were certain people who wouldn't be suited for second level education. People were actually saying that before free education was brought in in 1968. And now there's people saying, oh, well, you know, we couldn't have open access to third level. Why not? You know, why not? We, 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 had, we had that debate with second level and then everybody went to second level. Are we, are we going to have this debate about whether everybody can go to third level or not? And then say, oh, well, certain people wouldn't be suitable and all that kind of thing. I think we should have open access. And then we need massive support put in to counteract the, the wealth influence, if you like, of the upper end. A massive support increase in debt, huge, uh, massive funding to, to kind of retilt the balance. Because unless you totally skew the funding towards uh, that disadvantaged end, you're not going to level up and create a more level playing field. And that goes for inside the education system in terms of investment, but it also goes in terms of outside the education system in terms of all of the other inequalities that are in society that feed into the education system. So there's a whole, uh, you know, a holistic system-wide approach needed and they, they would love us just simply to be focusing on the narrow uh, focus and, uh, of, the, of the senior cycle. And I think there, when we have a debate about education in Ireland, we don't really have a debate. It's a few consultations behind the scenes and the NCCA and things like that. And, you know, the unions and, and the management bodies and so on. And it doesn't really, it's not really a public debate as to what the, the real issues are. And I think that remains... But Mark, it, it, it comes down to who's having the debates when you, if you, you know, who, 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 who is on and who listens to news talk, who reads the Indo and the Times, uh, who's writing for all of those, uh, uh, those journals, you know, who listens to Morning Ireland, that's where the debate is having. So, so what sort of debate is being had, it's going to be the one that affects those people. And, and they want their little Johnnies and Jessicas to be able to get into university. Uh, and, and they themselves went to university. So, their perspective is skewed uh it, it, it is it, it is what it is i suppose because of of who who is having debate and 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 as usual you know the the wider issues to do with education um often seen best by the people on the ground i.e the teachers we're squeezed out of the debate um too many other people are, are listened to um, we have a minister who refused to even mention the word teacher. She'll always talk about education partners and and never give any credit to us whatsoever. Um, you know, it, it 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 is it is what it is, and you're right to call it for what it is. Yeah, and it's very it's very rare that it, people uh, would probably say listening to this. Oh, here we go, another uh, insider schools podcast with three people saying the same thing <laughs> again. Uh, where's the, where's the balance here? Uh, well, the balance is, is in the mainstream media. The balance is is in your newspapers. The balance is what you're hearing constantly about the leaving cert. And um, I and and where I always hear the counterbalance to that is at union meetings. Uh, when you go along to ACI or TUI or, or INTO, whatever it is, uh, union meetings. But for some reason, we never hear the discussion at those union meetings out in, in the public sphere, in the public newspapers, in, in, in the media. And that's the whole reason for this bloody podcast in the first place is so we could have the normal conversations that we would have at union meetings, but they're just aired so people can yeah. hear what people are saying. And, you know, um, for me, um, 
this issue is not just Ireland anyway, it's, it's international. It, it, they seem to be doing this internationally, it's a, 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 the OECD, et cetera, pushing this kind of education system. And it's distracting from uh, what is really going on in education, which is chronic underfunding, there's chronic uh, inequality getting worse uh, in society. Uh, and somehow, um, with well-being classes in school, uh, teachers who are unqualified, who are not uh, qualified in any way or shape or form um, to instruct people about their feelings or about or any of that uh, stuff, uh, seems to be the school's problem. Um, you know, preparing people for workplaces, again, school problem, uh, leave insert assessment, uh, so we can change inequality in society, we can change how many students get to college, we can change all of this by changing the assessment mode. Uh, it's just, it, it's nonsense. Uh, and I, it just, I just I feel that voice needs to be heard. You know? but I, Andrew, I don't think it's, it is uh, as much of an international problem in some respects. I, I actually think that we have uniquely an Irish problem. You know, the CEO was created to solve oh, yeah. an Irish problem and it has created a whole host of problems that are, do not exist in other countries. Mm. If you compare the situation with, you know, co college entry and so forth, they don't have the same problems in other countries. You know, and you can talk about why and, you know, the, the funding uh, of education is, is a huge underlying issue. But we, we have a system... Uh, that that, it, that has been created. It solved a problem at the time, but it has it has solved it, it has created so many more problems. You know, every time you know Mary Cochran brought in the twenty five points for maths, you know that's created all sorts of problems. You know, every time we try and come up with a, a solution, uh, now, I, I mean, and I wouldn't even call them Irish problems for Irish solutions for Irish problems. I mean, it's just the way which we've 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 just done it, and. Um, you know, there is there is an element of a wider issue, but there is also an element of there are is smaller issues that can be resolved. There are there is some tinkering that can be done. There is some um, evolution in what what is happening, and uh, you know as well as tackling the broader issues and in a sense the underlying issues. So I mean it, it's it, it's I think it's a problem that that can be can be tackled at, at, at several levels. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I agree there, Robert, as well. I mean, we will presumably be presented with some sort of proposals that we'll have to engage with, you know, and, and we'll obviously have an opinion on them. I think that's definitely the case. Can I just mention one other issue? Um, uh, and that's the issue of, it's to do with the media as well, but it's to do with the area of um, the idea of vested interests in this whole debate, right? Um, now, people would probably say teachers were a vested interest. Of course, we are because we have to actually we have to bring about the change that they're talking about, and we have to deliver the courses. We have to engage with students and and keep the system going. So, of course, we're vested interest, but we're let's say valid vested interest, if you like, right? Um, but uh, there was a newspaper article there at the start of September, um, the 9th of September, by Professor Michael O'Leary of DCU. Now, this was in the Irish Times and picked up by the uh, by RT sorry yeah the Irish Independent and picked up by RT as well and basically the headline was uh, we must make the last two years count by deciding the role of teachers in assessments right and effectively he was arguing for a three-pronged approach right and one of the prongs would be to include moderated teacher judgments 
uh, in the senior cycle, right? Now, we know what moderated teacher judgments are. They're effectively star meetings for, for, for a senior cycle, right? So that's what he was proposing along with the other components that he was proposing, right? Now, you might think, okay, well, let commentators make their proposals, let them put their opinions out there. But when um, RTE dug a bit deeper, they discovered that um, uh, my professor Michael O'Leary, now he's not the Michael O'Leary of Ryanair, but uh, this guy, this uh, professor, is the is involved in the DCU Centre for Assessment, Research, and Policy in Education, which is short Carpe for short, like as in Carpe Diem, right? Uh, he's the chair of it, right? The Centre for Assessment, Research, and Policy in Education, right? Now, ninety percent of the funding for that um, institute or unit or whatever they call it comes from a US assessment company called Prometric, right? 90%. And Prometric is described as a US company described by DCU as a global leader in test development and testing delivery, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a global leader in testing development, uh, test development and testing delivery that is sponsoring uh, an assessment unit, a research and assessment unit in DCU, whose uh, chair is going out in the media, putting out his opinion about what should change in the education system, right? And obviously, what, what are they looking for there? These companies are looking for a way into the education system so that they can use Prometric to provide various different alternative modes of assessment. You know, and of course, what's the solution to the senior cycle? Alternative modes of assessment. Who can provide the alternative modes of assessment? Oh, maybe a company like Prometric, right? And Carpe's mission, this is according to DCU, Carpe's mission is, and they're quite transparent about this, right? Is to shape the future of assessment policy and practices across all levels of the education system. So they're actually quite transparent that the role of this uh, institute within DCU is to shape the future of assessment policy and practice across all levels of the education system. Including and offer their software to do it. Exactly. You know, whether it's standardized testing, whether it's portfolios, whether it's any sort of assessments that they might want. Could they take over from the SEC to have a privatized system? Yeah. You know, there's a whole series of uh, debates that are not being had there. Was his, his role in this, uh, was Prometric's role in sponsoring and funding this DCU Institute made clear in the uh, in the Irish Independent article. No, it was down at the very bottom, at the very end, mentioned that he was. Uh, I think Emma O'Kelly, in fairness to her, and in terms of uh, yeah, um, in mainstream media, did uh, draw attention to. Yeah, I think that's. I think that I think it was an article by Emma O'Kelly that really shone a light on this, mm -hmm. and I think it it goes to show you that the media is not necessarily a monolith. There are good journalists out there who want to. Uh, uh, who want to, you know, have a real debate about what's actually going on. And I just think that's a, a perfect example of a vested interest who the, is there trying to kind of influence the debate in, in, in its own favour, basically, and uh, for its own, essentially, its own profit and whatever. And, and I mean, I think you know, more than the influence of the OECD and, and various other international organisations, we have to remember these organisations are not democratic. Well, Prometric is a company anyway, and the OECD is not elected democratically. Around. You think it was the United Nations or something, the way the OECD is portrayed. It's an organization of countries, uh, 36 or 37 countries, 
the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development about the economy, about cooperating economies, uh, and its, its interests are primarily economic. And yet it's putting down prescriptions for education, which rightly should belong to the decisions about education should belong to the citizens of the country and not be determined or overdetermined or overly influenced by you know, what these international unelected bodies, uh, supranational organizations are called, uh, deem like necessary for, for everyone to be the same and to have the same kind of policies. Uh, it's a real problem. And I think uh, there's a real need for a more democratic debate about education in Ireland, you know, more input from across society, from a real debate about it rather than a narrow debate about, about assessment. Folks, I think we'll leave it there. We will definitely be coming back to this, but I just wanted to get this in, in inverted commas alternative view, although it's a view that I hear quite a lot uh, in schools uh, around the country. Surprise, surprise. So listen, I think the message from all of us really is, yes, there is changes that can be made. We can think around, we can look at the subjects, we can look at different things in the curriculum. Uh, but the reality is our view, I suppose, is that it is really a smokescreen for the wider problems such as the CEO system, the pressure that puts on, and of course the inequality and all the rest of societal issues that are there and they just seem to uh, pick on the, the assessment methods and the leave insert as being the major crux of, of those issues. So listen, thanks again gents and I'm no sure problems. we will we will, uh, we will hear from you again uh, in future episodes. So thank you again.